Optimal health for high performers. This is the Health Upgrade Podcast with Dr. Nawaz Habib. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Habib. I'm really excited about today's guest because it's a really relevant talk and a really relevant chat in regards to kind of what's going on in the world right now and what we need to do to be able to show up as the best version of ourselves and the importance of community in that. So Dr. Michelle Paris is our guest today. She's a naturopathic doctor, a tribe builder, speaker, women's empowerment advocate, mother, and a definite wild woman. She's the clinic director of the Poppy Clinic, an integrative medical clinic, and is also the creator of the wildly popular community health initiative called the Rebel Tribe. She is immensely passionate about helping women and their families become their own best health advocate and believes that empowered, health-conscious individuals can achieve a superior quality of life. I'm really excited about the talk. We get into some amazing points in regards to how community is important and how it is required for us to be at our best health and our best selves, regardless of the hat that we're putting on. So highly recommend this conversation for both males and females. Everyone, join me in welcoming Dr. Michelle Paris. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We've been chatting for quite a while about getting together and having this conversation, and it's even more relevant now than it ever has been, considering the state of the world for the past year, how things have gone for so many people, the challenges that are coming up and being magnified at such an incredibly crazy rate right now. So we're going to speak a lot about community and how you started the Rebel Health Tribe. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear your journey. I'd love to hear how you became a naturopathic doctor and your journey into becoming the boss lady that you are. Oh, you're so nice. I love chatting with you. I'm very excited to chat with you today and talk about community because it is so relevant and it's the message people need to hear right now because as this goes longer, you know, uh, I think the more fearful people are becoming of each other and, and we got to we got to have conversations to quash that because it's just not okay. So how I became a naturopathic doctor. Well, I was in kinesiology and I was living in Calgary and I was working at a physio clinic as a physio aide. Physiotherapy was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm so excited about it. And then all these physiotherapists were going and writing their MCAT to become medical doctors. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm working so hard <laughs> volunteering all my time. Why are you all becoming doctors? So it was a blessing in disguise that all of them were willing to have such honest conversations with me, but they felt limited by what they were able to do for, for their clients. And that really got me to consider medicine. So I really geared up. I was going to write the MCAT and by some blessing, this woman, the massage therapist at the clinic noticed my vibrant energy, but at that time was much more sugar addicted energy. I was a bit hyper. And I think she just recommended that I see this herbalist. So I just out of curiosity, went to a herbalist and I was put on the hypoallergenic diet. I was put on a bunch of Chinese herbal patents and it absolutely changed my life. That whole, you have no idea how well you were designed to feel kind of premise. I wouldn't have said that I was an unhealthy individual. I just really was just very sugar addicted. And when I changed my diet and I had mental clarity and my anxiety came down and I had energy, like 
I had more energy, but from a much more pure place, I just was like, what is this? Instantly, I just pivoted super fast and I started to look for a different option. Medicine just didn't seem to align after discovering the power of food and herbs. And so I looked into that herbal college and then I somehow discovered naturopathic medicine. I looked at the curriculum and I was like, this was what I was meant to do. This is my calling. what I meant for, which is, you know, the nerds in us that see this, right? So I finished my degree within a couple of months. I apply late to naturopathic medicine and I basically graduated in December and started naturopathic medicine in the January. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. I just tried to go as fast as I could once I figured out where I was supposed to be. And I really never looked back. So it was just so funny to me that I never really seen a naturopath before that moment, but it was the curriculum that just drew me there. It was something compelled. I was so compelled by the, the integrative approach to health and all of it. I was just, I just thought it was just such a brilliant design. I, I felt so grateful to have found it. After graduating, I ended up getting a really great position at a clinic, taking over an existing practice and, and wound up in Oakville. I, you know, wasn't sure, should I go back to Calgary? What, what am I supposed to do with my life? So um, my dad said, you go where the opportunity is. And that's what I did. And, and then it just kind of all grew it from there. And I learned very quickly as a naturopathic doctor that when we help provide support, when we facilitate support amongst patients, there was an acceleration in the health transformation. And that was really inspiring to me. So I would, you know, try for group detoxes, which was more like pulling out your teeth. Like it was like, please join this, please. You know, I just felt like it was such work. And I remember when I was talking to a bunch of people at the beginning of creating the wild collective, and I was like, telling people and they were like, I don't know. I don't know if you can get 20 women together to commit for a 10 month thing. And I probably had my own doubt, but I had this, you know, calling to do something greater and massive willingness to try something new, to disrupt something that needed major disruption. And I was willing to fail for that. And fortunately I didn't. Fortunately, that first round, I convinced 20 women to hang out once a month for two hours for 10 months where we would deliver foundational program on women's health, one that I thought was empowering, one that I thought every woman needed, deserved to know in order to take inspired action in her own life. And all the while help them feel more connected to themselves and to each other. And it ended up evolving to being called the divine feminine. I obviously didn't come up with that, but when I was putting this all together, I just remember the humility I had. I was like, okay, I can teach you about health, but this whole intuition, divine feminine piece, like we'll learn that along the way. I have no idea what I'm saying, but I'm really inspired by it. So it just ended up evolving into this thing, which is now a movement, which is now in 50 three doctors hands in 46 clinics like we are in Canada and the US and and we are bringing out an innovative way for women to hang out in in a healthcare space because it actually facilitates a more powerful transformations every time i hear this story and i've heard it a few times now and i didn't realize the numbers are where they are now yeah. so congratulations it's pretty spectacular the thing that i remember is the picture of you standing in front of the table with your Dr. Michelle Paris stuff and you're trying your best to get somebody to pay attention to you at, at an exhibition. 
And I still remember that, that picture and how, how happy I am that you were able to figure out how to shift from being the bee to being the flower and that you have created some amazing tools and a, and a community building essentially like curriculum and, and a business in a box that you now have been able to expand out to 50 some odd doctors and clinics that are able to create this amazing change that you were able to create right off the bat. So you're obviously the right person to discuss community and understanding how community actually helps to accelerate those positive health changes and those transformations. I want to get into the first time you started the Wild Collective. Mm -hmm. And then as you kind of went into the Rebel Health Tribe and how, how things kind of blew up from there. When you went in that first time, you said, I can teach you about health, but uh, we're going to figure out the divine feminine and that community piece kind of secondarily. And you did that building the plane as you were falling off the cliff, basically, right? Talk about that experience and, and what, like, were there one or two people in that group that just had such amazing transformations that you said, this is what we need to keep going and building on? Yeah, no, there really was. So helping piece this all together. When I discovered naturopathic medicine, it was like, this is so brilliant. How doesn't everybody know about this, you know, or functional medicine, similar to running group programming, similar to watching what happens, being an observer to what happens when women have the support that they need in order to transform in their health and in their life. And so what I noticed is a couple of things. I noticed that us sitting in a circle and I'm really having no visible difference between participants in, in the sense that we were all equal. We're all eye level. We're all vulnerable humans, you know, trying to figure this out and it really normal human experience. And I think that's a powerful tool to leverage with respect to health, because I think oh, what happens is a couple of things. I think we tend to, as patients, put our doctors on pedestals, thinking that they have it all figured out, that the health that they have isn't possible for us to reach because they just know more, right? And so I think when we actually identify that, no, we too are human on our own journeys and we all have, we all have our challenges and, and we just keep, you know, falling down and getting back up again, that's the difference, was really helpful. I also think people get stuck in limiting beliefs core wounds, like, um, patterns from childhood. And, you know, we just have this, these programmed thoughts and those limit us with respect to growth in our health, because we just keep, you know, it's confirmation bias. Like, Oh, I knew that was going to happen because this is always how it happens for me. And all of a sudden you hear a woman's story similar enough to yours. You identify with her, but perhaps, perhaps she took it one step further and she was able to figure out a way to pivot or, or shift that narrative. And what I started to find is that women started to get really honest about obstacles to cure. And what we mean by that as clinicians is what are the things, the barriers to health transformation, right? Often it's not that they keep going for the piece of chocolate cake, like emotional burnout, this, the job that's no longer serving them. It is the toxic relationship or the toxic productivity that they perpetuate for themselves. And so when they start to see it in a more clear way, where they start hanging out in a higher vibration state and just have like an honesty about that, 
it made women really brave. I just started observing all of these awesome transformations, whether it was women were really getting it with respect to their health. And we were creating these like amazingly articulate patients. Like I had a preceptor in my office last week and she was like, that was the most productive health conversation I've ever heard. I'm like, yeah, she's a wild collective member, right? She gets it. I've taught her how to advocate for herself. I've taught her how to think. And therefore now when you're one-on-one, it is like a different conversation. So we were, we were making really great consumers of health and, and empowered participants in the health journey, but they were also like really taking bold action in their life. They were leaving the soul sucking jobs. They were strengthening relationships that serve them. They were letting go of what no longer, and they weren't afraid to do it because they felt that they had support of their sisters within their community. And they believed in themselves. Like they started to actually trust that they knew that what was right. That's the whole intuition piece that we started to see unfold. And so After that first 10 month round, I thought, wow, that was super successful. They must've been unicorns. There is no way I can reproduce that a second time. And then, you know, we just keep seeing those results being reproduced. And that's why it was like, okay, we are holding on to something really powerful here. And we'd actually not be doing humanity a good service if we weren't sharing this. And that's really what was the impetus of saying, okay, let's spread this like wildfire. I need every woman who is curious enough to know about this, to have access to it so that she has that same kind of support to facilitate the transformations we desire for them and that they desire for themselves. They just don't know how to stop eating the piece of chocolate cake. Terrible analogy, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, it just goes to show the importance of creating a safe space where people can share their experiences and talk about their stories and actually be courageous and share the challenges that they've gone through, right? I I am a big proponent of the four different types of stress that trigger challenges within our health. I talk about the biochemical, which we all kind of understand comes from the food, the environment, the challenges around us from a chemical perspective. We have the physical stressors, our posture, our movement, our exercise, the muscle strength, all those fun things that I know as a chiropractor, obviously. And then we have the side that people don't really think about. And those are the emotional and the psychological stressors. And the emotional stressors being those that we challenge on a daily basis, your boss calling you in their office to have a meeting with you because of something that happened or the kids running around and not allowing you to do your work while they're, you know, homeschooling or whatnot. And then we have those perspective builders, the psychological stressors, the things that happened in the past that created the lens through which you see the world. And when we're able to get into that safe space, we're able to share those challenges that have happened in the past. It's the same idea of working with a therapist, of being able to share those stories and share those experiences. But by doing it in a group setting, essentially, what you've been able to do is, is accelerate that and, and exponentially grow the amount of comfort and safety that people are feeling because they realize that there is no difference between one person or the other. Nobody's at an elevated level. They may have just taken it that step further. It's so wonderful to hear that. And I'm a huge fan of the idea of empowerment and advocacy, teaching people to be the best consumer, the best version of themselves so they can go out and share that with others. And I think that's exactly what the Wild Collective does. So like, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, there was a couple of things 
I remember sharing this idea with another doctor and they were like, where are you referring them after they've opened up and they've shared all this? And I was like, I actually truly believe in my soul that community is the medicine, you know, not to discount any other referral when needed and indicated, but there is so much power in, in sharing. And it's, even though it might be in our viewpoint heavy, that's not necessarily how it's perceived by them. It's actually very healing to share. And there are so many transformations that are happening within a community that that are not super obvious. They're like happening on the inside and it's so beautiful. And I thought what was really interesting too, is that there are certain things that we block out because they were hard. They were scary. We don't want to deal with them emotionally. And when you just have open conversations, it doesn't mean you're directly having these hard conversations at all. We're having valuable conversations, but I think people then start to put together all the pieces and go, maybe this is actually important. And maybe I do need to share this with someone in order to get healthy. So it's really so interesting to see those facets open up for individuals. It's like, it really is that holistic health. I think community completes that pie for us to be able to say like, now we know people are getting all facets of themselves and they're, they're ready to deal with that in order to transform, which is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, so like beautifully stated, I love that. I want to talk about how the last year has been and, and the fact that we know that there are so many challenges now in regards to loneliness and loneliness being that all cause mortality, the leading cause of all cause mortality and how were you guys able to make a bit of a shift and what is it that people can do kind of on their own? What are some of the things that, that we can look for now to help create that sense of community, even though we can't physically all be together in big groups and a nice circle, what are the things that we can kind of do from here on out? Yeah. That was the humor of expanding in a pandemic. (laughs) Not funny in the moment, but so essential, right? So yeah, we had to pivot really quickly. We, we are intentionally an in-person experience because the magic of that, the power of being that, and who knows when individuals are going to feel comfortable enough to do that again. So we really had to innovate with what we had and uh, work within our means. And so we pivoted really quickly and, and we get virtual and you know there were there were lots of actually awesome blessings and opportunities we could serve more women women could access us from anywhere no longer did physical location have to be a barrier for individuals who are feeling more lonely who who wanted you know this health information but what maybe not able to access it in their local communities so that was really wonderful and and I've learned things over the year how to have meaningful connection in a virtual space because we've had new obstacles arise, like people legitimately being exhausted at the end of the day from being on screens all the time. Like, how do we make that meaningful for them? How do we get them to continue to show up? And so we, we are, we're, we're going full throttle on the, in, in the virtual world. We're hanging out in a virtual circle on zoom and we were, we were able to actually take every part of our programming and put it into a zoom room. So we could have breakout rooms for more intimate conversations. We, you have to have your screen on. I really am very firm about if you wouldn't have your phone out, if you wouldn't be looking away, if someone was literally across from you in in physical space to have that same kind of conduct in the virtual space. So we've had to talk about new things like where people could just turn their screen off. Like that's unacceptable to me. That's not allowed in wild collective unless there's some unforeseen reason 
you have to show up. So how do we do this now? I do think the world needs some meaningful connection. I think this is going to be, you know, the catastrophic long-term impacts of everything that we're going through is the impact of loneliness and isolation because it just, it keeps going longer and people are becoming more fearful of people. And that's hard for me to face, but there are ways in which we can help facilitate that. And I think it is prioritizing social connections. So I'm very intentional. I never say social distancing because that is not what we are doing. We're humans who need humans. And perhaps we are physically distanced right now, but I am definitely talking to people about prioritizing social connections. So, you know, I think one of the beautiful things is that if we are home more, I started reaching out to my, you know, my naturopathic community that I graduated with. So friends from the past, family, text messaging, like there are ways in which I I do feel grateful that if we are going through this, we have so much technology that allows us to see each other and feel connected and that there's an intimacy that can be relayed with that. So I, I did find that there were ways in which we could feel connected. If you have people at home intentionally hugging them and spending time, I, you know, the reason why I've shaked things up in my own clinical practice is that I really wanted to get reacquainted with that, right? It's like, how do I make sure that I'm feeling deeply connected at home and that I'm not so burnt out by the end of the day that I'm not able to show up fully for the people I love. And so, you know, it's gotten a little more challenging. I think people are finding innovative ways if they're choosing to go outside and hang out. That's one solution, you know, going on walk together, taking the time to actually prioritize meaningful conversations. So not only should we reach out, and I think that should be weekly if possible, think about how you can actually deeply connect with people that maybe you took for granted before. So maybe, you know, it's more surface level. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, And actually like go and look up what may some meaningful questions be. What would be, what would help facilitate a meaningful conversation so that you can feel deeply connected and setting those intentions. So I think so much has to do with how we intentionally show up for things. And so I think, you know, there have been beautiful blessings out of this too, right? We've had more time to really reevaluate that the grind and the way we were pushing ourselves before with all of the commuting and everything. And I do think we've seen a beautiful slowdown in that respect. Um, And so that can allow and facilitate for us to be more intentional with the time that we have with people we care about. Yeah. That answer your question. It's tough. Like (laughs) it's so difficult to say like, here are the resources. My, all my resources are out the window volunteer. Nope. You know, like it's difficult. It is difficult. And, and I know a lot of people are feeling it. Right. And that's why divorce rates are up over 30% and women are being disproportionately hit by this with significant challenges going on at home with domestic abuse and, and, a lot of the challenges that come with that. And I think the the key thing is doing your absolute best given the circumstance, right? And, and this is circumstantial. This too will pass. It's one of those things that we have to keep in mind. This isn't the end of the world. And we will step out of this, right? The world is going to move on. It, it has to. There's 7 billion people on the planet that are going to have to get back to being the best version of themselves. And like you said, this, this has given us a lot of opportunity to pause and reflect and figure out what we were overdoing, how we were pushing ourselves a little bit too far. 
And it really has given a lot of people an opportunity to kind of take that next step in their health. And I think that's a really important kind of place for us to go. I want to talk about the effect of loneliness on health and what the uh, major challenges can be that, that people are experiencing when they're feeling lonely, when they're feeling isolated. Yeah. So I think this is so important because I think if we understood this information, we prioritize this completely different, right? You know, with social isolation being the leading all-cause mortality, we have to understand why. Why is it more important for us to prioritize social connection over, you know, our dietary habits or our physical movement? All very important. So don't hear what you want to hear there. All very, very, very important. However, it is really essential to understand how valuable it is for us to be deeply connected. And, and with the caveat of that is having meaningful connection can be with one other person. So we don't need your community to be vast in order to have the health benefits, but we are, we are literally wired for connection. When our brain is in a state of non-thinking, it's social patterning. Where do we fit in? Brain is always trying to fit in with the tribe, if you will, we're always trying to look for alignment of core values so that we fit in. That is important to us. That is how our brain evolves through the years from infancy into teenagerhood when they pull away and start to take on the norms or the values of the collective around them, right? So we are always looking at this. And when we have that, our brain interprets that as safety, because if we go back to when we were living more in tribes and real threats were like animals, <laughs> if you were alone, your brain was like, this is not safe. You were releasing the stress hormones. You were going into fight or flight. Your body was down-regulating your viral protection and up-regulating your antibacterial protection because you were going to have to fight off infection from possible harm like a tiger bite, right? So our brain is literally saying, oh, when I'm with people, I am safe. I'm likely to fend off impending threat. And when I am alone, that equals unsafe and bad. And so that's literally how our brain is wired to think in order of how it protects us. And it's so brilliant, but this is the harm of calling it social distancing is that if we are actually distancing from people, we're actually lowering an antiviral protection. We are actually lowering that immune response reaction because our body's saying, oh no, that's not the real threat. The real threat is the fact that we're probably going to have a wound and we're going to have to prevent sepsis from a bacterial infection. That's the primary uh, response. That's the like natural response of your body. And so it is important that we understand that if we prioritize this, if we have meaningful connection, even with one individual, if we make the time to have meaningful connections and hug and um, listen and hold space and create that safety, that there is so much value to that. I saw a post recently um, on just the benefits of hugging increases your, you know, your microbiome transfer and your immune response by 30%. And now you're seeing people actually being afraid to hug each other. Right. So there's like these, we're like fighting our own nature, which is, I think a challenging thing. Yeah. And it, it just really goes to show how counterintuitive a lot of the, the measures have been. Yeah. We want to be safe, but at the same time, do we need to do that at the expense of our mental health, our emotional health, and, and where those challenges even come from. 
it's a really good point is like, are we looking at whole health, right? Or are we looking at one sect of, of health? And, and yeah. that's going to be the long-term question that we're going to have to continually ask. Yeah. I remember seeing the stat more recently that 10% of adults right now have contemplated suicide in the past year. And, and we know that now having been in this situation for about a year, maybe a bit more, that we're essentially in a very chronic state of stress. And when we're in that chronic state of stress, like you said, we're upregulating the sympathetic nervous system. We're going into that fight or flight response. We're downregulating our immune response. We're actually shutting down our vagus nerve. And when we shut down our vagus nerve, as many of our listeners will know, you're <laughs> not allowing the inflammation control to be there. And the inflammation levels are able to elevate and cause more challenges. And this is where we get into autoimmune conditions and leaky gut and digestive dysfunction and microbiome imbalances, which are exasperated by not hugging other people because we don't get that microbiome transfer. So we could go down this rabbit hole forever. Yes, we sure could. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't. But we won't. And the, the entire, I think, reason or the, the overall overarching thing here is that we need to foster some level of social connection in order to be able to stay healthy, in order to be able to actually fight off whatever virus or whatever challenge is presenting itself to us and to feel safe and to be able to actually elevate ourselves to not only take charge of our biochemical health, but take charge of our physical and emotional and psychological health as well, to be able to manage all of those stress levels. It's a really difficult kind of balancing act right now. And I know for a lot of people out there, their moms, their dads, their parents, they have kids at home running around upstairs. They're uh, running in to ask about like tech issues on their homeschooling and they're dealing with a lot of those challenges. Let's talk a little bit about taking time with other people outside of those people that you're kind of quarantined or stuck in lockdown with and being able to use that to help become the best version of yourself at home and with your family, with your kids. What are some things that people can do from that perspective? Uh, and, and what is the effect of that when you are able to be the best mom and dad that you could possibly be? I learned from a very early time in, in motherhood that I was better when I took time for myself. I never, I never wanted to abandon who I was. It was just something that felt very unnatural to me. And maybe that I came, I, like, sometimes I think I'm deficient in a, a mom gene if there was one, but I've always prioritized ways of fueling myself. And, and maybe that makes me a leader in that. And I, I learned from others who are amazing nurturers, but so very early on in, in motherhood, I, I would go out for dinner with some friends once a month. And I learned that that laughter, that being myself, that time to fuel my own social connection and my, my other areas of my brain, that that filled my cup, the proverbial cup so that I could actually go out and serve and be more nurturing to my family and to my patients and my community at large. And so I would say that that is something I have maintained within my neighbors you know, throughout the evolution of a pandemic, at what level everyone was comfortable, we could go for walks outside, we could hang out outside, we could spend time on text chatting about silly things to us that just made us laugh, right? It was all of those little things. I prioritized talking to my soul sisters, like girls that I've known forever, 
and just chatting about real things. And so, you know, I think you have to think about what are those things that make you the individual happy, what fills your cup and find an innovative way. That's a really good question. You know, how do we, how do we make a more meaningful impact for ourselves? Because everything you've just highlighted is my life right now. And it's uncomfortable in my home. And sometimes it's hard to one hug and be connected to those that you're kind of like, could you give me five minutes? Like this is exhausting juggling all the things, right? So I think you have to make a date for yourself, whether it's you do something and let's go to, I know, I know we're talking about the one-time moment. So what are the daily practices that cultivate health? What are the things? So for me to give you an example, there's a few things that I had to take radical responsibility and action on in order to feel like Michelle in the midst of everyone taking my time. <laughs> and that's the mom gene thing missing. But um, so there's two things that I did. I, I decided to really dial in my nighttime and daytime routine. So I've been getting up at 5am every morning. And I got myself a treadmill desk. And I walk and I work in peace for two hours. And I can just walk if that's what I need. And I meditate every morning and I set the tone for the day. I really think it's important for me to decide who I want to be in my day and conduct myself as such instead of my day owning me. And that's so easy for me. Like if I have a child come in and like, swoop, I get swept into the world very, very easily unless I'm intentional. I really um, love that because I actually talk a lot about this with my patients is bookending your day. Beginning that's and a great ending way to call day. it. Yes with with you time with you setting an intention for the day understanding what happened that day knowing how you can be better the next so just wanted to bring that point up I, I talk about bookending the day all the time it's everything and now that I'm and you know what was beneficial about online learning was making that an absolute must I don't like 5 a.m I'll be very honest I'm not a morning person but the idea of not maybe having any other moment to myself I'm like oh, Michelle gets out of bed, no problem right now. So like that, you know, you always have to be grateful for the opportunity. It's, it's made me a part of the 5am club. So congratulations, pandemic, you win. Like yeah. I, you know, I'm able to care for myself and same with the end of the day. So I have an infrared sauna blanket. I'm totally obsessed with it. So I sweat for half an hour. I have a super cold shower and then I go to bed. I read something really relaxing when I'm doing my sauna, I'm watching like a totally terrible show. I won't even admit how terrible it is, but not that I'm condoning that, you know, it doesn't fall with any of the health rules, but it makes me feel like Michelle and that's important too. And so there's the daily habits. And then there's also the prioritizing, like for me, I feel most like myself when I'm super giggly with my girlfriends, it's weird humor, it's childish but that makes me feel like, oh, there she is. Like she's still her. She's still intact. She, yes, she's a mom and a wife and a doctor and a community leader and all the things, but she's also just really goofy. And so I think if we have a nice prioritizing balance of bookending your day, thank you. And, you know, some meaningful social connection with people who light your soul on fire, then I'd say you're winning at life for sure right now. I love the way that you did that. And I want to just kind of point out that all of the different hats that you have to wear, the most important one that you have to wear is the Michelle hat, right? Mm -hmm. And remembering who you are, remembering what you want, remembering your hopes, your dreams, your desires, and using the bookends of that day to be able to bring those back in and, and just ground yourself within 
being Michelle and then the other hats can go on when the other times are necessary, being mom, being Dr. Paris D, being the boss lady, being everything, right? And and I, I just love that. And I want to be able to acknowledge that you do a great job of it for sure from my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you don't see the chaos behind the scenes. But you highlighted something very important and I want to bring that up. I think the reason why community works so well, I think the reason why Wild Collective has had the success that it's had is because what we are doing is helping women tap into mission, purpose, and desire. And when you have those things, you're an unstoppable force. You start to fall in love with your life instead of your life owning you. And I really want to highlight that. That is the magic of community is like, finally, people are given a space to go like, I'm allowed to desire. I've never been asked that before. Like, you know, we all do the things because we're keeping up with the Joneses and air quotes, like we're doing all the things because we should, you know, you go to school, you get the job, you have the family. And do you pause and say, am I happy? Am I enjoying this? What do I even desire? And many people have never asked themselves that. And so when you create a space where you have permission to dream, it's like the most beautiful, inspiring space to hang out in. And so that is the the ultimate, that, that is what we're trying to do. I, I can't think of a better way to bring this conversation to kind of a, an ending point. The magic of community is real. The The need for that connection is absolutely real. And those who are able to kind of tap into that and, and take that step to be able to optimize their health, to be able to optimize the ability to get things off their chest because they're able to speak to people in a safe space the effect of allowing you to be in a safe space where you can then allow yourself to think about your dreams and your hopes and your goals and what's coming in the future, what's positive and what's, what's exciting. That's what drives that positive health. And, and that's what drives so many people to become the achievers that they are. So absolutely wonderful. Michelle, could you let us know a little bit about the Wild Collective? And uh, I believe you're going to be launching a new round real soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Yep. So we are a women's health initiative. We are sisterhood and self-care. As we've highlighted, it is a closed group. Virtually, we're offering them at all different rates, weekly, bi-monthly, or 10-month initiatives. And it's a space for you to come feel deeply connected to other individuals, other like-minded individuals who are on the same journey. And it is also there for you to learn foundational women's health. Everything that we believe is relevant for you to take action, to have articulate, informed conversations, knowing how to ask for yourself, knowing optimal values so you can read your own blood work. You don't have to listen with the line of fine anymore. You can, you can take more inspired action. And it really is this beautiful opportunity to get deeply connected to yourself, to other individuals. I say it's where physiology intersects with intuition. So it's this beautiful fusion of taking it a little bit deeper, that mindset piece But really, it is a great way to take action in your health journey and move through it the way you always hoped that it would go. So we are launching in May. Thank you so much. You can find us. There are a couple of ways, but if you go to michelleparis.com, there's a place you can sign up. I'll add something to the show notes that we have like a, a download gift for you guys, if you would like that. The 
seven essential tests for reclaiming your wild. And all through that, you can learn how you can join us and stay connected with us. And we have a sisterhood scholarship. So we have spots that are there for those who might not otherwise be able to afford integrative healthcare. So many ways in which you can engage in our community. I absolutely love it. I think you've created such an amazing tool, an amazing group of practitioners that are sharing these amazing tools with such wonderful people out there. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I do want to just quickly mention that community isn't just for the females. That's right. (laughs) Males do require some of that. I can't tell you how far couple times a month to go and uh, play a round of golf with a couple guys or to be able to, you know, grab a drink at a bar or something along those lines, how far that actually goes. And I've been lucky enough to join something called Dad Pod, which is a really interesting group of dads uh, that have workouts in the mornings uh, on Zoom. And then we have some meaningful time to chat and connect as well. So if you're interested in learning about Dad Pod and how males can connect and and kind of that cool locker room kind of experience, uh, please reach out to me through the podcast as well. So just want to share that as well for anybody who's feeling a little bit left out by uh, conversation. Sorry, men. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so great. No, I mean, we've always, we've always been asked, we just don't know how to engage it in the same way, but it's just as essential. Right. So that's so cool. I'm yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So if you're interested in any of this, if you're interested in joining the wild collective, I highly recommend go to michelleparis.com, follow her on Instagram, get to learn a lot of the cool stuff that she does. I saw the picture of your treadmill desk this morning. That was pretty cool. And uh, (laughs) I'm really excited for what the wild collective has coming and all the amazing things that you're doing. So thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. 